0: Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in, all, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of his glory. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, as Paul, as Paul, as Chuck stated, today we get to begin a
1: new series, um, considering the, the epistle of Paul, the letter of Paul to the church of Ephesus, to the Ephesians. As the elders, um, were meeting and we were looking and planning ahead, um, and we were considering the marks of a healthy church and that what we're going to do as we come out of that, we started to realize that, you know, honestly, the book of Ephesus as a whole is a great, um, continuation of that series and then the book of Acts. And so that's the plan. That's the, at least the goal from our perspective. We'll see how the Lord works that out. Is over the next three months to, to consider the, the Paul's writings to the, the church of Ephesus. And then after that, begin looking, um, at the, the book of Acts and studying that. And so as we look at this book, um, that we call Ephesians, A letter that Paul was writing to this church. Um, you can take this letter, if you would, and you can break it up. Remember, it's a letter. So it's, it, we have it as six chapters, verses, and all that kind of stuff. Paul didn't write chapters, he didn't write verses. Paul wrote a letter. Okay? But as you look at this letter, you can kind of break this letter up into two major sections. First, you got the, the, the doctrinal part that, that, where he's teaching and he's giving them, um, just truths that they can they can build on and then the second half is practical but it's all if you would focused on what we already have looked at um a couple months ago and we'll look at it once again um and that is in chapter 4 verse 1 where paul s- states to them he says i beseech you therefore brethren that you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called i beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. But he says, I therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. And so the therefore is therefore a reason, and that is the therefore is, is to, to bring about what I've just said, and now apply it to what I'm gonna say. So there's this transition that happens in chapter four, verse one, between what he just stated, and what he's gonna tell him. Well, what did he just state? So in chapters one through three, what we call chapters one through three, we're going to see the profoundness of the calling that God has bestowed upon us by his sovereignty. As you begin to meditate upon what all God has done for you. He didn't need to. He's the sovereign God of the universe, creator of the universe. He's the one who spoke and it came into being. He's the one who decided to make man and make man in his image and likeness. This wasn't our thought processes. It wasn't our plan. It wasn't something that we came up with. God came up with this. And God determined the plan of redemption. And God determined before, and we're going to see all this today, that God determined before he ever laid the foundations of the world that this plan of redemption was going to come about and that he himself was going to come to be the propitiation, the payment for your sins, because you can't do it on your own. And so he's going to overwhelm us with what God has done for us in these first three chapters. And then based upon that, how do we walk worthy? Of the calling. And so that's what we're going to look at then, and the, the second phase of it, how we, the walking worthy of the calling, how that looks in our practical life. Now, as we look at this first 14 verses, um, again, I know that's tiny for some of you in the back, you can't see that, but it's colored, okay? And so what I want to point out to you, again, as we, we talk about you know, how do you study the Bible, right? And you do the observation, the applications, uh, observations, interpretations, applications. First step is observations. And I do that every, every time as I'm studying God's Word and we're, we're looking at this, you know, you're looking for common themes. Well, clearly nine times, eight times, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. Nine times in fourteen verses, we're told it's in Christ, in Him, in Him, in Him, in Him, in, him, in Jesus Christ, in Christ you think there's a common theme? That everything Paul is telling us, everything we have, is where? In Christ. But if you're looking at it again, you can see all the dark purples. God, God our Father, God the Father, Himself, His grace, His grace, His good pleasure which He purposed Himself, which He made to abound, which He might gather together. This is all about God. What God has done for you. In everything that God has done for you, in every blessing, and we'll talk about every spiritual blessing that we have, because he's going to go through all these spiritual blessings, or at least some of the spiritual blessings. He doesn't get to all of them. We're only going to talk about, I think, eight of them today. But every single one of them is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That's why when people say, well, it doesn't really matter. We all come to God. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except what? By me. Only in Christ Jesus, when you are in Christ Jesus, will you truly experience the blessings that God has for you. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, clearly the main application for you today is going to be what? Be overwhelmed with the sovereignty of God and his love for you and come to know Christ as your Savior. If you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior and you're not living it, clearly the main application for you is what? To again, experience the overwhelming love of God and his sovereignty for you and realize that the things that you're missing are you're missing because you're living apart from Christ Jesus. So, my goal today is nothing more than to overwhelm you. I'm already overwhelmed to overwhelm you with the sovereignty of our, our great God who has planned this plan of redemption and who stepped into the world to bring it to completion. Because you couldn't and I couldn't. But I had a need. And he made me knowing I'd have the need. So, we don't have a lot of time, so I've got all these things you can see on the sermon note sheet, okay? So you got lots of verses that are there for you to be able to look at, again, after the fact, okay? We're not going to be able to go through all this. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on one of them, which you can kind of guess which one it might be, but let's look at God's sovereign bestowment upon us. First of all, we're blessed with what? What are we blessed with? How many? Every. Every. Do you believe it? I have to stop and I have to ask myself. I'm not asking you a question I didn't ask myself. I gotta stop and I gotta ask myself do I really believe it? Do I really believe that God loves me so much that He is blessing me with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus? James chapter 1 tells me that that every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, who no variation or shadow of turning. And again, in Sunday school, we again went back to reminded ourselves of Romans 8.28, right? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Do you really believe it? Do you really believe that all things work together for good? Even when they don't seem what? Sometimes we do. That's exactly right. Some, yeah, but when they, they don't seem good to us, we struggle with that. But I've got to look at these things from the heavenly places. That God is the one who blesses me with every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places. When I don't see them, is because I'm not looking where? In the heavenly places. Colossians chapter 3 tells me that I'm supposed to set my mind on things above. In the heavens, where Christ is. But when I'm setting my mind on the things of the earth, then I'm not seeing it. I'm missing it because I'm focusing on the worldly things. Jesus said, Matthew chapter six, right? says, seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. And then what? All these things will be what added to you. So he says, therefore, before that, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather lay them up where in heaven. You get it. Okay. So these spiritual blessings that God has for us are all heavenly. Okay. They're not, physical so if you're looking to physical that's why this health and wealth stuff is wrong they're looking for god's blessings on the earth god's blessings are in the heavenlies not on the earth now he may give you some physical blessings okay seek first kingdom of god and all, all these things will add unto you. he may give you that but he didn't have to give you that the greatest riches that god wants to give you is where in the heavenlies one day i'm going to die and the Yule Hall's not going with me. The greatest treasures I have will be in the presence of God. So, number one, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, right? Secondly, we're, we'll camp out for just a little bit here. We are chosen. It is the term electos, um, or from electos. It is... The term where we get election from, we are the elect. So, I'm gonna have four screens of verses, okay? You have a lot more on your, on your, on your sermon note sheets you can look up, okay? And, and, and I'll come back, I'm gonna summarize for a second. So let's read all these verses real fast, because your question's gonna be, who are the chosen? What do you think about election? I mean, I get it, okay? We have the word predestination in this passage, we have the word election in this passage, and everybody doesn't care about anything else about all these spiritual blessings of God. All they really wanna know is about election and predestination, and you're missing it! You're so worried about you, and I'm not picking on you. you. Get what I'm saying? This is Bob. Bob looking in the mirror. You just get sheer in the wealth, okay? And you miss everything else that God has for you because you're so worried about whether you're predestined. So let's look at some of these verses, okay? So Matthew 20, verse 16. This is Jesus speaking. Okay, He says, so the last will be first, and the first shall be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. That's in the context of the parable that he was given about the workers. And he was hiring them throughout the day, and then the ones who were hired, like at 11 o'clock, were getting the same payment as the ones who were working all day. Okay? And so he says, the last shall be first, the first shall be last, many are called, few are chosen. That leaves you with a question, doesn't it? Because he says it again in Matthew 22, verses 12 to 14, in the context of the parable of the, of the wedding feast. He said, so he, that is the, 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 ruler, said to him, he says, friend, how did you come? In here without a wedding garment. And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew twenty four. This is talking about the end times. Okay, uh, the end times. Uh, uh, Evil is going to abound. The love of many is going to wax cold. There's going to be the prophets on the earth. There's going to be the the um, the beginning of birth pains. All these things are going to happen. He says, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. For false Christ and false prophets will arise. And show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the very elect. And in verse 31, and he will send, that is God, Christ will send his angels in a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. The point here, and I'm not going to spend more time on it other than Jesus talks about the what? The elect, okay? John thirteen. Jesus continues on. He says, "He says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me." Who is he talking about? Judas. Okay, But he says, I know whom I have chosen. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now we transition into beyond the Gospels. Acts 1, to 1-2. The former account, this is Luke writing... Um, his intro to the book of Acts, "...the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen." Acts 9, verse 15, "...but the Lord said that Jesus said to him in Ananias, "'Go, for he saw that his Paul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel.'" Acts 13, verse 17. And the God of this people Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now, I could go to a lot of other passages, okay? Um, With electos, electoi, and all that kind of stuff in it. So what's the point, though? Bringing bringing all these together and, and looking at Ephesians chapter 1, what we see just in what Chuck read today, okay? Who are... The chosen, who are we? Okay, because he uses the term "we," we, 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 right? I have three options for you. First of all, it's the apostles and the first believers. Very clearly, Jesus refers to the apostles as who? The chosen. We see um, that there were those who were ordained um, in um, in the book of Acts to believe. Okay, we see that Paul was chosen as a vessel to take the gospel. So there is the possibility, okay, that it's only the apostles and the in in the early believers, okay? Now in in Ephesians chapter 1 if you drop down to verse 13 and 14, where Paul then says, "And you also believed." So clearly he's making a distinction between the ones between Paul and the early believers and those who are going to believe after the fact. So there's weight to this. Okay? Number 2, the church as a whole, that he's talking to the church as a whole, that the church as a whole are the ones who are are chosen. So the the early apostles were the beginning of the church, okay? And then so, and then as believers were added, they were added to the church. So how do we have, where do we get weight for that from the book of Ephesians? Well, when we get to the end of chapter two, into chapter three, we're going to find out and we're going to talk about it a little bit later on um, very briefly, because we're, we're going to talk about it later, and that is the mystery of Christ, one of the mysteries of God that he gives to us, is the church. Okay, And so Paul is going to be writing here to these believers in Ephesus okay, regarding this opening up of this mystery that that God had before the foundations of the world, before the foundations of the world, and that was the church. So there's a possibility that these chosen ones are the entirety of the church, the church as a whole. Because remember, the church isn't a building. The church is... People. Okay. The third option is that it's each believer, so not the entity of the church, but individually, you specifically were chosen. You individually were predestined. So you have three options. That God chose predestined, if you would, the early apostles and the early believers, if you would, as a priming the pump concept. Make sense? That he was he making sure that he get, gets it going. And so again, lying into this, I didn't mention it earlier, is the fact that God always has held a remnant of Israel. Does it make sense? That there were people, people made their own choices, but God has never allowed Israel to be extinguished. God is always holding a chosen few, a remnant. And he states that to Elijah, when Elijah's all worried that he's the only one left, and he says, Elijah, no, no, no I, I've, got, I've got prophets. They're, they're, they're waiting for me. Okay? Number two is that it's the church as an entity. Number three, it's individuals. And you say, well, where do you stand, Bob? And my answer always is going to be what, Steve? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Which one of the three? Yes. I believe in a mystery. I believe it's all three. I can pontificate each one of those, and I can pontificate even more than that. Options. If God wanted us to know specifically, he would what? Give it to us clearly. He'd tell us clearly. But I can go and I can prove it any one of these. Now, again, what I want you to be overwhelmed with is this is God's plan. I don't have to worry about it. If I'm saved, if I know that God loves me, why do I need to know more than that? Do you get it? God wants me to go out and witness. He's not, I, it's not my concern about who is saved and who's not saved. Who's elect and who's not elect. Was he chosen? Was he not chosen? I don't really care. God knows. Does that make sense? God knows how he's applying this out. God knows whether it's the entire church. God knows whether it's the individual. All I know is on this end of it, I've come to know Jesus Christ as my savior and I'm part of what? The elect. I'm chosen. I'm chosen how? Before the foundation of the world. Isn't that a cool concept? Before God ever laid the foundations of the earth. Before God said, let there be light. Before Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before that ever happened, God already knew. And so, kiddos, kiddos, Isaiah 45 verse, say it real loud, Malachi. Malachi. Eighteen, who can can I put you on the spot, Malachi? Can I do it? Where's the mic at? who Who is the mic? can I, can I put you on the spot, Malachi? You can do it. You can do it. Are you nervous? Don't be nervous, buddy. you can you got this big guy. You got this mouth of babes is, is Brian's hiding? Brian, come over, do it, do with him, Brian. Come on, buddy, you can do it. Help him out. All right. Thus says, go ahead. Can you start it off? Thus says? Oh, he's struggling. It's okay. It's all right. All right. Can you, can you rest your kids? Can you can we do this together? Thus says who?
0: Alessandra.
1: Alessandra you going to do it? Thus says? Uh,
0: thus says the Lord.
1: You're right. Thus says the Lord. Who?
0: Who created the heavens and the earth. And what? And established it.
1: Yep. And he formed it.
0: And formed it to be inhabited. He
1: did what? He formed it how? He
0: formed it to be inhabited.
1: He formed it to be inhabited. Isn't that amazing? Thus says the Lord, who is God, who created the earth, who established it, who did not create it in vain, but formed it to be inhabited. What did he say then? I am... I am the Lord
0: and there is no other. I am
1: the Lord and there is no other. How cold is that? Thus says the Lord, who is God, Who created the heavens and the earth, who established it, who did not create it in vain, but created it to be how? Inhabited. When God made... These people are talking about evolution. Evolution and creation doesn't go hand in hand. It gets rid of God's purpose. When God created the heavens and the earth, before he laid the foundations of the world... He created it. He planned it to be inhabited. And when he inhabited it, he knew that we would sin. Knowing that we would sin, and I'm not getting into the mind of God and telling you the progression. I don't know. But all I know is before he'd ever laid a foundation of the world, Christ was coming to die for me. Do you get it? And he knew me. He knew Bob Corbin, who was going to live about 5,500 to 6,000 years after he ever made the heavens and the earth. How cool is that? And I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was knit together in my mother's womb. And in some manner, whatever manner that is, and you can debate the theology all you want, I really don't care. He chose me. Whether predestination, whether foreknowledge, we'll talk about predestination in a moment. It's all his plan it's everything he did to god be the glory and he, when he did it he chose me we talked about this with our calling that from romans 8 28 29 and 30 we understand what our calling is our calling is to be predestined us to be conformed to the image of christ that's my calling my calling is ultimately to be conformed to the image of christ he chose me to be holy and without blame before him in love those are our judicial terms Paul says, Romans 12, verse 1, that we are to offer our bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. But what kind of sacrifice does God accept? Only those that are holy and without blemish. Those are Old Testament terms. That's what God demanded. That's what God demands of you. But you are incapable of doing it. We're going to talk about that as we go. You're incapable of doing it. So he played away so that when you come before him, after you pass through the portal of death, that you're standing in his presence. Do you get it? It's not you. It's all Jesus. Because you're in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what cleanses you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, He made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become The righteousness of God. This is what He's done for you. You can be holy and without blame before Him in His love. Thirdly, we're adopted as sons of God by the plan, by the Father's plan. Pro orizo It's where we get our word predestined. Okay? It means to be determined beforehand. It's where so Orizo is where we get our word horizon. So it's horizo. It's where we get a word horizon from. And so there's a defining line out there, okay, if you would. And so this is be defined ahead of time is what it means, okay? And so these words, pro and horizo to determine, are used not a lot in the Bible. People make of them more than what they are. But again, we saw from Romans 8.28 a few weeks ago, maybe a month and a half ago, that God has determined, predestined us. He purposed, according to the calling, according to his purpose, for whom he did what, for know those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, and those he predestined, those he also called. So there is this concept, and you can see with First Peter chapter one, and I don't know if I have that coming up or not, that there's this balance between the predestination of God and the foreknowledge of God. Okay, but I'm not afraid of these terms. I'm not afraid of them. And I don't want to water them down. Okay, because God's in control, not me. God doesn't have to give an account to me. Does that make sense? But he declares, he reveals things about himself to me. One of those things is that he predetermines things. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they all are. But one thing he has told me that he's predetermined. He's predetermined that those who come to him, that those who come to Christ, will be conformed to the image of Christ. Do you get it? If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, God has preordained that you would be conformed to the image of Christ. If you're not being conformed in some manner to the image of Christ, you ought to know something. It ought to make a challenge, challenge you on something. Because if you can walk in darkness, 1 John chapter 1, that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. If you say you have fellowship with him and you walk in darkness, you lie and you do not the truth. You get it? It's not my words, it's his words. And so God's preordained, predestined plan, purpose for those who come to him. However you define choosing an election, I don't really care. So whether it's total free will, whether it's total election, I don't care. But those who come, God's predestined purpose is that they can be conformed to the image of Christ. It's again a challenge to me. What's my purpose? What do I see my purpose as? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Again, this goes into this concept of what was preordained, what was predestined, people or a plan, the church okay, and so we 're this hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages, talking about christ 's crucifixion for us, okay in the, in the coming about of the church, okay, which we 'll talk about again in a moment, okay, but God's got a plan, He adopts us. By his plan. Galatians chapter 4 tells me then that in the fullness of time, right? In the fullness of his plan, God had a plan and in the fullness of all that, that, that Christ came so that I would be what? Given the privilege of adoption. So it's by the Father's plan. I'm going to keep moving past that. It's by the Father's will. Four times in this passage, Ephesians 1 verses 1 to 14, four times it talks about the will of God. This is God's dilemma. God's desire, God's will, God's purpose. He planned it, not me. It's nothing about me. The Father's grace. The Father's grace. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, right? It's when I receive something I don't deserve, something good that I don't deserve. God poured out His grace upon me. He gave me the privilege of adoption. Again, you can go back to other messages where we talked about that more. I don't have, to spend, I don't have time to spend on just the, the wonders of being adopted into God's family. But what a wonderful thing it is. We are accepted. Now, this is the word keratao, which is where it's from the word for grace, karis, Okay, Keratao is to be favored. And so we see it in Luke chapter 1, in reference to Mary. When Gabriel comes and he says to, to Mary, um, Hail, highly favored one. I don't know if you remember in the past, I've talked about from the Hebrew, the word chin, so my favorite word is chesed, right? right. So the faithful, loving kindness. But you take the word chesed, in the word heen and you bring them together and you get the concept of grace in the New Testament. The word heen is the word, or is the word for favor. So Noah found chen, favor in the sight of God. When, this, this is too cool for me. When you come to know Jesus as your savior, not because of how good you are, But in spite of your wickedness, beside everything, because God has made this way and He's allowed you to come, which we're going to talk about just very like 30 seconds at the very end. Okay. And so when, when you do this, when you trust in Him type thing, right? You become a favorite. You know, the people who lived in Israel, they were what? Israelites. The people who lived in Ammon, they were Ammonites. When you come to know Christ, you become a favorite. How cool is that? My kids know I got lots of favorites. I am my favorite oldest daughter. I've got my, my favorite youngest daughter. I've got my favorite newest daughter. You know, the ones who get married into the family, right? And so I have to keep coming up with all my favorites, you know? But every one of them, I want every one of my kids to know that they're my what? Favorite. I don't play favorites. They're all, God doesn't play favorites. You get it? I look, I'm the favorite of God. God's put his favor on me, on me. But you can turn around and say, yeah, but what? I'm his favorite. How cool is that? And we can start beating, fighting. <laughs> you and I, God has placed his favor on you. You are accepted in the beloved. Not apart from the beloved, not in of yourself. God doesn't accept you in and of yourself. But again, it's in what? in Christ Jesus. Because of what Jesus did for you, you are a favorite of God's. We are redeemed and pardoned. These two things, they should be separate, but they're, Paul slams these two massive things together. It's just an amazing thing to me. We are purchased back and we are then pardoned. The word is forgiven in the New King James, but it's the word pardon. The is to, is to pardon, is to, to, you don't deserve it. So you're on death row and, and the governor comes in and gives you a pardon. He's not saying you didn't do it. You get it? He's not saying you didn't do it. He's saying that you don't have to pay the, the time. You don't have to pay the penalty. And so these two things are coming together. So think of a slave okay, who's killed somebody. A slave who's killed somebody. Well, not only then is he just given his emancipation. That's the first one, the redemption. But at the same time, he's also given a, a pardon. That's me. I'm a slave. And I'm guilty. I'm a slave to Satan. We'll talk about it when we get to Ephesians 2. I've been a slave to Satan. But God bought me out of it. And when he bought me out of it, he pardoned every offense that I made against him. Do you get it? And it's not because I'm so good. (laughs) Clearly, I wouldn't be pardoned if I was good. Do you get it? It's because of Jesus and what he's done for me. That's why the book of Hebrews talks about how, how can we trample? How can how can we trample the cross of Christ? David talks in Psalm 19: Keep me from presumptuous sins. It's so when I presume upon His grace. Oh, well, He's got to forgive me, so I just keep doing it. How can I do that? Ray Boltz had a song. Maybe some others else sing it. Whatever, but. It runs through my brain. I I know another individual who sang it. That led me to know the song. But do you still feel the nails every time I fail, every time I sin? Do you hear the crowd cry crucify again? I don't know about you, but that's powerful to me. My God, Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth, Loved me so much. Do you understand? I'm just a piece of dirt. I'm a piece of clay that he molded. He breathed the breath of life into. He chose for me to be made in his image and likeness. He chose for me to be a spiritual being. I could very easily be a teapot. Do you get it? The same dirt that he used to form me, he can make a tree out of. He could have made anything out of it. But he chose to make me. And then he entered into the world. Yahweh incarnate. Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Messiah. And then he willingly offered himself on the cross. To pay the debt. That I couldn't pay. Are you starting to feel overwhelmed at all? My God is an awesome God. He's sovereign over all things. He didn't need to do this. But he did. I'm redeemed and pardoned. Acts 10 verse 43. To him all the prophets witness. That through his name whoever believes in him will receive... Remission, the payment of sins. It's through His blood. Colossians 1 verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. These two things tie together throughout the Word of God. According to His grace, Romans 3 verse 23 and 24, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely, pardoned, justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus you get it? That's why I was let off death row. Because somebody else died in my place. Do you realize that your neighbor, who doesn't know Jesus, is on death row? But they don't have to be. Your workmate, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your grandma, you get what I'm saying? It goes back to the evangelism, right? Aren't you glad somebody told you of what God has done for you? How can we have such spiritual blessings, such marvelous gifts, and hoard them to ourselves? I'm as yellow-bellied chicken-livered as, as, as anybody else. That's why I ask for someone to, to hold me accountable when I go out knocking on doors. And I appreciate Jose showing up on that Wednesday when Steve was gone, right? And God gave us an opportunity, didn't he? A couple opportunities, but one phenomenal opportunity to share with a man who wouldn't have heard. At least human speaking, unless we knocked on his door because he certainly wasn't going to knock on our door. you got a lot of people out there in death row that Jesus died in the place of. How cool is that? We are informed about the mystery of his will. It says that that he's made known to us. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. Well, what's the mystery of his will? Well, we're going to see in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 12, okay? And even at the end of chapter 2, that it's Christ in the church. The mystery of God is the church. Now, comprised in that is as well that Christ is going to dwell in believers. That... That Jesus is going to come. He's going to die on a cross, pay for the penalty of our sins. He's going to institute the new covenant, which we know about from the book of Jeremiah, right? And that as we enter into this new covenant, no longer will we say that we have to, the, the laws will be written in our, um, in our uh, hearts or out there. We're not going to be under the law, but now they're going to be written in our hearts and our minds that we're going to know God, not just know about God. Because He's going to come. He's going to dwell within us. Jesus tells us that that was important for us, for him to leave. Because when he left, he was going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Comforter is going to come and and dwell within us. We're going to see in a moment, he's going to seal us to the day of redemption. But Jesus also stated that it's not just the Holy Spirit that's going to live inside you, but who else lives inside you? The Father and the, the Son. How cool is that? You've got God dwelling in you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God dwells in you. Do you believe that? Do you really believe it? In every place you go, you're taking God. We are promised an inheritance. We looked at this when we were studying 1 Peter prior to the book of Nahum in Sunday school. Okay, But it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is according to His abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away in its what? reserved in heaven for you. You cannot lose your redemption. You cannot lose your salvation because you didn't do it. Do you get it? This is so cool to me. I didn't buy me. I didn't forgive me. He did. And he has given me an inheritance reserved in heaven. It's just waiting for me to experience it. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So in John 7, 39, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit was going to come. He had not yet been given. They didn't have this privilege prior to Jesus Christ dying on a cross and then resurrecting from the dead. They didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. But he said, he told them, it's going to happen. It's going to come. And so, in Ephesians 4, we're, we're told, and we'll get there in a couple months, right? It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. We're told the same thing in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, that in whom you also trusted, after that you believed, right? You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. These are things that God has done for us. In His sovereignty, you didn't do these things. Nothing. God did them all for you because he loves you. And again, if you're here today and you don't know him as your Savior, can I share with you that what God has to offer is a whole lot better than what the world has to offer? I have not regretted one day coming to know Christ as my Savior. What a joy that my God has given to me. So what's it take? What's it take for someone to become a believer? No works, just a response. We're going to talk about works in a couple of weeks when we get in Ephesians 2, right? But there is no works. All you have to do is hear the word of truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You trusted after you what? You heard. You got to hear. So Hebrews chapter 10 says, then how will they hear unless somebody's what? Sent. Jesus said, and I mentioned this last week from Matthew chapter 9, that the fields are white unto harvest. All it lacks is what? Laborers. Someone can't hear (laughs) <laughs> Unless somebody what tells him, Jose, how did you hear? Through a, through a TV, through a TV. I don't know if John's in today. Um, he lives out in Oklahoma, but many of you you know his testimony now, right? How did John come to know Christ as a Savior a year ago May? Anybody remember? Anybody tell me? Say again. It wasn't YouTube. It was, it, was, it was on Amazon. Amazon just began to carry podcasts a little over a year ago, and they contacted me and asked if we would put our podcasts on Amazon. And randomly, he was looking for teaching on the book of Proverbs. Proverbs! And he got saved. Say again? Randomly. Yeah, yeah, randomly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Randomly. And he got saved listening to our teaching from the book of Proverbs. And I'm going to share John's glory. I mean, I don't know if he was on there or not. But God is working in him. He is now getting ready to go to chaplain school. How cool is that? Do you get it? He's ministering with hospice. He's getting to represent Jesus Christ to people. And someone saw it enough that they're asking him, you got to be a chaplain. How cool is that? Somebody's got a hair. Do you get it? Now, God may use our stuff on Spotify. He may use it on Pandora, wherever. But that's for God. Don't use it as an excuse. God wants us to knock on doors. Talk to our neighbors. Open our mouths. If you believe it in your heart, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, what's going to happen? It's going to come out your mouth. So you got to hear. All you got to do is hear it. There's not a whole lot of works there, right? Someone's just talking to you and they're sharing with you. You've done nothing. Now we get to the part where this is everything you got to do. You got to trust. You got to trust. That's it. I'm going to sit in this chair, y'all. Ready for this? This is an act of faith. Now, did I do work? Well, in a sense, you can say, well, yeah, you work. I did nothing. I sat. I didn't make the chair. I didn't even examine the chair. I didn't even make sure the chair was good. By faith, I sat in a chair. Do you get it? There were people, hope there's nothing in there. Anyways, there were people in a factory that what? Made it. In fact, people anymore probably weren't even people. There was just uh, a bunch of um, machines that that did it, right? Put it all together. But I don't know who they were. I don't even know where it was made. I know nothing about it other than it's a chair sitting here and I'm going to what? Sit in it. Trust is not a work. Those who want to make that into a work, so we're talking about the Calvinism thing, and and they want to talk about the election and all that kind of stuff, okay? I'm not extremist that way, okay? Again, I'm a mystery. I don't know how it works out. Could it be that way? It could be that way. And if God says later on, tells me when I get there, hey, dude, it was all that way. Praise God. I praise you, Lord, because you're God. You can do whatever you choose to do, okay? All I know, all I know from God's word is he tells me, tells us to do what? Believe. Trust in the work of God. You hear the word of God, you trust the work of God. It's nothing that you've done. That's all you got to do. So if you're here today and you've never done that, there's no mystery. There's no big deal, no hard work. All you got to do is say, God, I believe. I believe you've done all that and I accept it because I know I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell. I know I deserve to be apart from you. But I know you've done all these things for me. And you give it to him. So, are you in Christ Jesus? Or do you just have an intellectual knowledge? That was me for 20-something years. I went to church every Sunday. I could tell you a whole lot about everything. But I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I knew all about him. But I didn't know him. Jesus said, this is life eternal that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Again, it's all in Christ Jesus. Are you focusing on God and His truth, or in the circumstances of your life? When you begin to realize everything God has done for you, the things of this earth, what? They fade away. My God loves me. I'm a favorite. And there is nothing He's going to allow into my life. But that which is for my good in his glory. And I've got to believe it. Is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you for the plan and purpose which you unfolded for us throughout your story, throughout history. Lord, you began it all. You again breathed and it became. You spoke and it became. You are the great I am. You are the uncaused cause. You are the one in whom all things consistent and have their being. And you are the one who came to this earth to die for me. Father, I don't fully comprehend and understand the mysteries of your Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three and yet one. I know it's true, because your word decrees it. And I don't understand the fullness of the mysteries of how your infinite being comes and plays together with my finite being, how the eternal comes into the, the the physicalness of a man. But You do, and that's all I care about. And so, God, I rejoice in you for it. Help us to have confidence in you and to give you the glory for everything that you've done. And help us to walk worthy of the calling with which you have called us. With which you have committed yourself to us which you have paid the price for us that we might love you and know you in jesus name we pray amen